pastor here at First Baptist Church in Warsaw, and this is Thinking Biblically About Things That Matter. Thank you for listening. This is our um, our final lesson in our short series on abortion. In our first lesson, part one, we looked at the biblical case against abortion, and then in part two, we thought about what it means to explicitly commit ourselves to God's very good design. So if you didn't get a chance to go back and, and listen to um, either of those um, uh, lessons, I encourage you to do that. Uh, today's lesson is, um, what we're trying to do today is to debunk some myths about abortion. We want to think biblically about abortion. We want to think biblically about protecting human life, um, but there are a lot of assumptions, a lot of myths uh, sort of floating around in the culture at large um, that make it difficult to think clearly about the issue of abortion. So we need to kind of clear out some of those myths, clear out those misconceptions so that we can bring the conversation back to um back to what what it truly is, what the, what the main core issue is, which is protecting the, the lives of unborn children, of, of little human beings created in the image of God. So, so what we want to do is we want to bring clarity, clarity to our conversations. We want to think biblically about this. So what we're going to do is we're going to try to clear away some myths today. Uh, much of this lesson leans heavily on a book by Randy Elkhorn called Pro-Choice or Pro-Life. It's a little book, um, but it, it gets right to the, to the heart of many of the sort of debates um, that are found in um in the abortion issue. So it's a great short overview, recommended if you're looking for further reading. Randy Alcorn's book, Pro-Choice or Pro-Life. Um, and so as I go through these myths, I'm going to reference um, some stats, some polling, some, some um, data uh, in the show notes um, on our church website, um, on, the pod, on the podcast website. Um, you will find um, all the different articles. You'll find links to all the different articles that I use in my notes. So if you're interested in sort of studying further or you want to check some of this stuff out, um, check the show notes and uh, all of these articles will be in there. All right, so let's dig into some of these myths. All right, myth number one goes like this. Everybody has the right to choose what they do with their own body. That's myth number one. Everybody has the right to choose what they do with their own body. Some version of that gets said all the time, but nobody truly believes it. I don't have the right to choose what to do with my body. If I walk into one of our like our, our preschool Sunday school classroom here at, here at First Baptist, if I go in there during Sunday school and I punch one of the four-year-olds in the face, 
I can't, I can't stand up later in court and say that that should have been legal because it was my body. I, I have the right to do whatever I want to with my body. Almost everyone I know believes that our right to choose what we do with our body is limited by how it affects other people. I don't have the legal right to choose to harm another person with my body. Therefore, it should be illegal for women to have the right to choose to harm the distinct person growing within them. So that's myth number one. Myth number two, you must be pro-choice in order to protect women's rights. Myth number two goes like this. You must be pro-choice in order to protect women's rights. Now, now the early feminists, the, the, the women who, who sort of brought the idea of protecting women's rights um, to our country, they would have thought this is ridiculous. The women who brought about women's suffrage, the women who drafted the early um, ERA, Equal Rights Amendment, they were hardcore anti-abortion because they saw what we fail to see now, which is abortion is fundamentally anti-women. Most babies that are aborted are female. In many cultures, this is on purpose. And the results of this are devastating. It's, it's estimated that well over 100 million females are, are missing right now around the world. In, in other words, there, there are millions of women who should be alive right now, but they were aborted because they were female. We also have to take into consideration the effects that abortion has on a woman's physical and mental health. Women who have an abortion are significantly more likely to suffer depression, alcohol abuse, and suicidal behaviors. There's a lot of research, again, I'm, I'm linking to this in the show notes, there's a lot of research that suggests, strongly suggests, that, that women who've had an abortion are significantly more likely to suffer depression, alcohol abuse, suicidal behaviors. Um, I, I encourage you to check out that, that link, the defeber.org, D-E-V-E-B-E-R.org um, article that I have in the show notes. And when we say something like, um, when we say something like, you must be pro-choice in order to protect women's rights, it sounds like this is a, like a men versus women issue, as if men are the ones trying to stop abortion uh, and women are the ones trying to keep their freedom. But that's not the I mean, if you actually look at what's happening, like in our country, that's not the way it looks at all. For, for instance, it was an all-male Supreme Court that legalized abortion in 1973. The vast majority of the doctors who perform abortions are male. The vast majority of politicians that support abortion are male. And, and those same pro-choice politicians are, are heavily supported by advocates of the abortion industry. So, so, so men are the ones who are, who are getting rich off of the abortion industry. And not to mention all the men who are happy that abortion exists because it lets them off the hook. Now they don't have to commit themselves as a as a father. They don't have to they don't have to be a committed, engaged father. And they don't have to suffer the emotional and physical consequences of having an abortion themselves. 
So men are getting rich because of abortion, and men are enjoying no-consequence sexual relationships because abortion is always an option. So we cannot allow this to be framed as a women um, versus men or women against pro-life advocates kind of struggle. What we have to see is that ending abortion is actually a way to protect women, especially those, those women who have not been born yet. Myth number three. Myth number three, and I've sort of summarized this in my own words, um, kind of collecting a bunch of data and, and sort of also um, kind of capturing a, sort of a general vibe that's out there. But myth number three goes something like this. The, the pro-life movement is mostly about white evangelical Republican type people pushing their morality on everyone else. So that's my own sort of summary of the myth, but it's out there everywhere in various forms. Um, so yes, it is true that there are a higher percentage of evangelicals that are anti-abortion um, when you compare that to other demographics. And the same goes for Republicans, but it is not straightforward in any way. Uh, again, I'm going to... I'm going to um, I'm going to put some of these graphics and these articles in the show notes. Um, but PewResearch.org, uh, you, can, you can find um, the, the, the latest polling, the latest numbers, the latest data on what Americans think about abortion. And it's not straightforward. There's not a lot of unity in, in, in any demographic, in any political party, in any religious affiliation. Um, for for example, uh, they they Pew Research has white evangelical as a um, as a demographic, um, and o- only thirty percent of of them believe that abortion is always morally wrong. An additional fifty one percent believe it's wrong in most cases. So we're not even unified in in that abortion is always morally wrong. And the numbers are, are even shakier when you look at Republicans. And, and interestingly, over a quarter of Democrats think abortion is morally wrong in most or all cases. So it's, it's, so it's not just that the Republicans aren't unified. The Democrats aren't really unified either. One of the, um, I guess, most discouraging numbers I read this week, and I just want to share it with you, one of the most discouraging polling numbers I, I read is is that when they polled um, Republicans or those who lean Republican, because that's supposed to be pro-life party, right? And so, um, and they asked them, should abortion be legal when the baby is likely to be born with severe disabilities or health problems? So the question is, if, if you know that the baby is, is likely to be born with severe disabilities or health problems, should abortion be legal in those cases? And Republicans and those who lean Republican said that um, 38%, 38% of them said it should be legal, and then another 31% should, said it should be legal sometimes. It, it depends. And so 69% of Republicans or those who lean Republican, 69% are in some way okay with abortion being legal, if the baby is likely to be born 
with severe disabilities or health problems. That's a, a very disappointing statistic to me. That's a very disappointing number. And I, again, I just shared these numbers um, to, to point out that this is not a evangelicals versus other kind of a religious affiliation. This is not this is not that kind of war, and it's it's not a Republicans versus Democrat kind of battle. Because if we if we make it political, if we make this about power, if we make this about social power or political power, if we make this about some group's agenda versus another group, then we then we take the conversation away from where it needs to be. This is not about Republican versus Democrat. This is much bigger than that. This is much more important than that. This is much more fundamental than that. This is about protecting human life. This is about protecting human life. So let's keep the conversation where, where it needs to be. Myth number four. Myth number four is something like this. The, the data shows that most Americans are at least mostly okay with a woman's right to choose. Myth number four, the data shows that most Americans are at least mostly okay with a woman's right to choose. So this is not necessarily a myth, all right? So I, I call it a myth, but then I'm thinking through it. It's, this is probably true. You look at the polling, you look at the data, you look at the research, and you see, yeah, the, the uh, Americans, most of us are at least somewhat okay with with a woman having the, the right to choose. We're at least somewhat okay with it. It's a, you know, there's a spectrum. Um, it's sort of a gradient a scale, but, but one way, you know, to one degree or another, rather, most of us are okay with it. Well, the, so that's not necessarily a myth, but the thing is, it doesn't matter. Like, like, it doesn't matter what most Americans believe. There was a time when most Americans thought slavery was okay. There was a, there was a time when most Germans were good with Hitler's policies. The, 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 there's, a, there's a, like, morality is not decided by the majority. Morality is not decided by the majority. It doesn't matter what most Americans believe. Myth number five is this, we need abortion for cases of rape. We need abortion for cases of rape. Now, first of all, rape is horrific. The attacker should be severely punished, and the victim should be cared for in whatever ways we can care for them. I, I can't say that strongly enough. But, but we also have to say that the, that the answer is not to punish the innocent. So, so we would we would never punish that poor mom, the poor woman who has been attacked, and we would never punish that, that baby. The, the baby doesn't deserve to die because of their father's cruelty. And I don't know for a second, I don't pretend to know what it would be like for a single mom to raise a baby that was conceived in rape, or, or perhaps in, in incest, since that's another scenario that gets mentioned often. I don't know what it would be like for that woman. I don't know, but I do know that there are at least 2 million families right now that are that are waiting to adopt. So let's not react to horrific violence with more horrific violence. Myth number 6 says something like this, we need abortions for when the pregnancy threatens the life of the mother. Okay, so there's a few things we have to say. One is, 
what, 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 we, what we have to understand is that very, very few women choose an abortion because they were raped or because of incest or because their life is endangered. Now, that, that doesn't mean that, that when those kinds of things happen that, that it's any less horrific. I'm not saying, it, I'm not saying it's, it's no big deal because it hardly ever happens. The reason I mentioned that it hardly ever happens, that it's incredibly rare, the reason I mentioned that is because it gets talked about, sort of in the culture at large, it gets talked about as if it happens often, as if this is one of the main reasons that women um, choose to have an abortion. It, it gets talked about as if it's far more common than it is. So we have to understand that, like, for instance, in the year 2020, the state of, the state of Florida, which this, that Florida records um, a reason for every abortion that occurs within its borders each year. And in 2020, there were nearly 75,000 abortions. And, and less than 1% of them, if, if, you, if you combine those three reasons, the, the, the incestuous relationship, or the, or the woman was raped, or the woman's life was endangered by the pregnancy, that's, that's less than 1%. All three of those together is less than 1% of the, of, the, of the reasons that a woman chooses to have an abortion. And now that, again, I want to say, just because it's, it's incredibly rare doesn't mean it's not important to talk about or that it's not heartbreaking. But what we have to understand is that, is that when they use that kind of thing as an argument, they're, they're using a very, very, very rare exception, a very, very rare occurrence um, to argue for something. And that's, that's just, that's not good logic. It's not, that's not good debate. It's very misleading. But then we also have to realize, okay, so um, a couple of things. Even in the states that, that do ban abortion, it will, it will still be perfectly legal to perform an abortion in order to save the mother's life before a baby could be safely delivered and survive. So it was legal before Roe v. Wade. It, it will be legal after Roe v. Wade. No one is pushing for it not to be legal. And so if in, in, a, in a heartbreaking situation, in a very rare occurrence, in a very, in a very sad situation, if in order to save the mother's life, the baby has to be aborted, if that decision has to be made, if that choice has to be made, and, and they save the woman's life, even though it means that the baby will not make it, um, that, that procedure will never be illegal. It never has been and it never, never will be. And no one wants it to. No one is pushing for that. So let's be careful to understand that, 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 that no one is trying to overthrow that. And then the other thing we have to understand is that this is a completely different thing. This is not elective abortion. This is not someone choosing to have an abortion. This is not someone choosing to end a life. This is someone choosing to save a life. Choosing to save a mother's life through abortion um, it must not be thought of in the same way we think of elective abortion. There, there are rare cases when, where the mother will not survive if they wait for the child to become viable. In this case, the mother and father must decide what to do. And so there have been cases where the mom received, received life-saving treatment that she went through 
with the abortion, and then there are, there are other cases where she where she refused life saving treatment. And so this is a decision for her and her husband. This is this is a personal decision. This is not something that we. That, I mean, this is like this is like these these just heartbreaking situations where a first responder has to make a decision on who they're going to save first, who they're going to focus on. This is this is the the stress that an ER is in when there's. When they have to do triage, they have to choose which patients to deal with first. I mean, this is not this is not something that we're flippant about. This is not something we 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 trot out there in order to try to make a point. Um, and so let's be careful when we're in these kinds of conversations um, that we that we um, sort of talk about these things as they truly are, which will help us to, um, again, return to the issue at hand, which is protecting human life. Um, I've got a few more um, myths here, then we'll be done. Myth number seven, forcing a woman to keep a child she can't afford to care for is cruel. So that's the that's another myth. It goes something like forcing a woman to keep a child she can't afford to care for is cruel. And so I just to that I would say it is far better to grow up poor than to be killed before you are born. It is far better to raise your children in poverty than to have them killed before they are born. It's far better to give your children up for adoption than to have them killed before they are born. And um that that is assuming quite a bit, isn't it? To to say for 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 someone to say to us, if you force a woman to keep a child she can't afford, that's cruel. Well, that's assuming that she won't be able to afford to care for it. The pro-choice movement should not call themselves pro-choice because if you visit a Planned Parenthood, they will make you feel as if you have no choice. They will make you feel as if the only responsible thing to do is have an abortion. Myth number eight. Forcing a woman to keep a child that is severely disabled is cruel. Forcing a woman to keep a child that is severely disabled is cruel. If this is logical, then what about the severely disabled people outside the womb? Is it cruel to keep them alive? Some of the kindest, happiest people I've ever known in my life have been children with Down syndrome. And even if they weren't some of the kindest, happiest people I've ever known, they'd still be people. It'd still be persons created in the the image of God. Myth number nine, if we make abortion illegal, women will resort to dangerous, illegal abortions. If we make abortion illegal, women will resort to dangerous, illegal abortions. So this is such an odd thing to say. this 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 is like emotional blackmail. This is such a weird thing to say. It's like... It's like if my children say, Dad, if you don't let us have a doctor friend come over and, and, and help us to basically abuse prescription painkillers in a regulated way, then we're going to find some nasty needles in the street and do drugs in an alley somewhere. It's, it's, like, a, it's like a threat. It's almost like emotional blackmail. But laws don't work that way. We don't decide to drop a law just because there's the distinct possibility that people will do risky, foolish things because they, they can't do what they want legally. If a law is worth having, it's worth having. And, and of course we know that laws don't change people's hearts. But laws do restrain their behavior. 
a decent society will protect the innocent from harm. Part of this, of course, will, will absolutely mean that we do all that we can to help pregnant moms. Uh, just recently, a couple of senators introduced a bill that if it became law, the, 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 it, it would expand the Social Security Act to ensure women would receive child support starting at conception. In addition to adding payments for the approximately nine months of life before the child is born, fathers would also be required to make payments retroactively in cases where paternity is not established until after birth. So that kind of stuff is great. I love that. It... it, it it, it helps out the single mom. It helps out the mom who has now this unexpected pregnancy. It gives her good financial help from day one. It's awesome. I love it. Let's do more of this. Let's do all that we can. Not, not just governments, but, all, but, but churches and individuals. Let's do all we can to help pregnant moms. That's what any decent society will do. Also, Let's do everything we can to protect the unborn. Let's, let's do everything we can to, to, to protect the innocent. This is what a decent society does. So, so those are nine myths. And again, there are a bunch more. You probably have some that came to your head as we were thinking um, through all of this stuff today. Hopefully, though, this, this gives you some clarity and some of the uh, uh, some of the main sort of misconceptions, the main myths that are out there that get kind of floated around as if they're normal, as if they're true, as if they're just everybody just believes this. Let's let's think clearly about what we hear. Um, we need to keep the main issue, the, the the life of a human person. We need to keep that the main issue. There are a lot of myths out there that would like to soften that issue or distract us from the issue. Let's keep the conversation where it needs to be, protecting the lives of little ones created in the image of God. As always, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to email me. And until next time, thanks for listening.